We've been in the book of Hebrews um, for some while now. We've made it to chapter 12. We'll be wrapping up chapter 12. And so again, this is going to feel way different than anything we usually do, but I do want to honor the text and our time in it together. Um, We've been in in Hebrews all along, uh, again, this whole year. And I, I can't think of, like this phrase has been going through my mind over and over and over, that God could have made puppets. He could have, and frankly, I wish he would have. Um, but he didn't want an eternal puppet show. And he wanted real choices with real consequences, with real life. With Why? So that he could display real love. He, he wanted all those things. And ultimately, to display that very real love to all of his children through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's been Hebrews the whole time. Every page has been screaming, Christ is greater, Christ is greater, Christ is greater, Christ is greater. He's the point. He's the display of love. He's, he's all these things. And, I mean, isn't that the essence of fatherhood anyway on Father's Day? That we don't have little puppets that we string around as fathers. We have real kids who make real choices, who have real consequences, and somehow along the journey, if God's gracious, we get to display to them real love if, if He's kind to us in that way. And that, that's just kind of been the, the whole point and the whole theme. So I want to say a couple of things, and then we'll go through the text today. And again, I'll try to do so very briefly so that you can uh, get to your favorite joint for Father's Day or you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, whatever the, the case may be. Um, I, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, I do realize that some of you guys never had a true father. I, man, I get that off the bat. I get it. I understand it. I know that that's the case with some of you. And I would be amiss not to just acknowledge that. And I want to say two things about that. If you were one of those people who you just didn't have a true father, um, one, I want to say this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I grieve with you that that's, that's the case in your life. I'm sorry. But number two, I want to remind you that you've got more in Christ than any earthly father could ever provide you. And I pray that at Safe Haven you've been screened that over and over and over, that you'd see the sufficiency of Christ. And then number two, I want to say, I do assume that most of us in here have some form of father in our life or relationship to a father, some male figure, I guess I should say. Because sometimes fatherhood is not biology, right? Sometimes it's coach. Sometimes it's a teacher, sometimes it's a stepfather, sometimes it's a friend. Uh, so it could have been some, all these other uh, facets. Um, somebody that stood in your face <laughs> from time to time to show you that you're not quite as mature and wise as you thought you were. Um, but then also somebody who at other times stood in your corner and picked you up when you skint your knee and said, hey... It's okay, and I'm going to be with you and walk through that. I assume somebody is all across that spectrum that reminded you of your potential. Um, And to tie all of that together, fatherhood again is just anything but a puppet show to where we just kind of move pawns where we want them. It, It really is fatherhood is generation after generation knowing that there's real twists and turns in life. It's generation after generation of warring for family values, family crests, family truths. It's displaying love while simultaneously learning about love through all of it. And for the believer, it's seeing that Christ is the truest love that all children need. Hence, 
how we made it to last week, the father does what to children that he loves? Disciplines. Disciplines them. That's how we made it there. If it's just a puppet show, there's no, there's no reason for discipline. It's just pawns. But because there's real twists, because there's real turns, because there's a display of real love, Christ loves you enough to discipline you. And that's, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, please go re, listen to that and, and kind of catch up with where we're at. So Hebrews has screamed this to us over and over, that Christ is this great father figure and brother figure and friend figure that we need. He's simultaneously all these things in one prophet, priest, king, and brother to the point that he'll discipline us to make sure that we know the truth. So that's where we led up to last week. Now here we go. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try it. Lord be gracious. Here we go. Here's the text today. Hebrews 12, picking back up after verse 11, that's speaking of this fatherhood who loves us enough to discipline us through the twigs and turns of life. And he says, therefore, because he disciplines those who loves, do some things. Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make your straight paths for your feet, so that what's lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And we'll stop there in that awkward place right there. I get it. It is this weird place to stop. You're like, oh, Jacob, I love Esau, I hate it. Well, we're going to go there. No, we're not going there. Not today. Um, you can go check it out. We did that in 2012. Probably never do it again while I'm alive. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, this is it. And, and so I guess what I'm getting at is I think this feels like a fatherhood speech. It feels like somebody that's about to go off to camp. And the father is like, hey, here's a couple more thoughts. <laughs> Blah, 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 you know. Or you're heading off to college. And the father's got that one more thing. I know my, I, my kid, Kobe, could, he could stand up right here and tell me that a lot of times I sound like that. It's just like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I want to get everything out before he heads back to Mississippi State. Like, but here's, like, life in a nutshell in 30 seconds. And he's like, Dad, I just got to go, brother. <laughs> I got to go. And I feel like that's kind of where we've just hit. He said, listen... Jesus is awesome. He's your father. Chapters 1 through 12, here's the way he's great. Chapter 12, he loves you enough to discipline you. Now I need to say a bunch more things and I'm going to jam it into five verses. <laughs> and here they are. Um, because he's these great things, there are some of these truths. It's these parting shots that he wants to give us. My dad had one of these. Um, he, he would blah, 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 blah. And then... Uh, Troy, there's so many more things I want to say, but I'll just end it with this. You know who we are, and you know what we stand for. And I, I forgot everything else he said, but I remember that. And I still don't understand exactly what that means, but I'm trying to learn it more and more every day. It's just like he loves us enough to tell us some things about what it means to be a child of his. So in other words, he does not want us to settle for just having a good earthly life. He wants us to have the great life, both now and forevermore. And these are some of his parting shots. So, let's do this. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it backwards. Let's do it backwards. Why? Because that last part is awkward. So, we'll just go with it. 
and work our way backwards to what does it mean to be a child of the Father who can have a great life. Fatherhood from Christ. Uh, he, he says this, again, working backwards. Don't be unholy like Esau. This is the, the negative example. Remember chapter 11? And all of the book of Hebrews has been nothing but positive examples except for the nation of Israel. And now we have one negative example. He says, if you want to you be my child, don't be like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. We remember this story because we just went through Genesis as a church. And... Um, He was the firstborn child, meaning he would have God's blessing um, and he would also have God's birthright as the firstborn child. But you remember he went out to the field, he got hungry, he came back in. Mama and and brother had a, a bowl of stew. You remember this? Literally the text says red stuff. That's what it means. And he came in and he said, man, I need a bowl of that. And the brother said, listen, if you will give me your birthright, if you'll give me what God has chosen sovereignly over your life, then I'll give you this stew. And he goes, fine, whatever it takes, boom. (laughs) Give me what I want, when I want, how I want, and I could care less about God's sovereignty over my life. And that was unheard of. But that's what happened. He, He gave it away. He didn't care about God's sovereignty over his life. He only cared about what he wanted, when he wanted it, how he wanted it. And that, God said, is the utter offense. I can't believe that you would give up your standing, your birthright. Um, But in this moment, what we see is what John Owen says is this. If Esau truly loved and wanted the Lord, he would have been content with God's choice of Jacob over him and would not have sought to kill his brother. He could not wrap his mind around God's sovereign plan for his life. In other words, what it looks like to be a child of the Father is to know that his plan's always best, even when we don't like it. Even when it's hard to understand that he's got our good and his glory at heart. Don't be like Esau, and then going up backwards. What does it mean to have the Father of, that's the Lord, let no one be sexually immoral? The world minimizes it. But the Bible maximizes this. I've thought a lot about this over the years. Sexual sin just hits you in a different way, doesn't it? It hits you physically, emotionally, mentally, and it knocks you on the floor spiritually. It's it's all-encompassing. That's why Genesis 2 and that one-flesh concept is so important. Sexual immorality warps the whole one-flesh covenant promise unlike any other sin. And if you watch Ted Lasso, like I did recently, and we had to shut it off. We got halfway through it, and I was like, it is such a, the, the world is warping sexuality, and just do what you want, when you want, how you want, with who you want. And the Bible says, listen, what it looks like to be under my fatherhood is, hey, war against this, war against this. I find it's interesting that this is one main thing he points out. He says this, he's going backwards, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. In other words, if you want to be my child, be aware of the poison ivy that rises up in your own soul. Get the weed whacker out and whack that weed. (laughs) Get after it. 
And, and why does he say this is so important? you got to war for this because, notice what it says, not only will it poison you, but how many? Many will become defiled by your poison. Root out the bitterness in you. That's what it is. Your root will ultimately determine your fruit. He says, if you want to be my child, war against that. War against that. And then going on up. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's what it means to be a child of God. To be relentless about pointing other people to the exclusive grace found in the gospel. To be screaming to people. Hey, here's who Christ is. Here's how sufficient He is. Here's how awesome He is. And here's how much greater He is than any works or any law. He is sufficient for everything you need. You can find grace in Him. Be that. That's what it looks like to be a child. And then going up. And... Be holy for without, or, or, or search for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In other words, seek the holiness that Christ alone can offer as a child. And then number two, seek personal holiness that Christ has unlocked. That's what it means to be a child, that you can now pursue holiness personally and provisionally through the person and work of Christ. And then going on back up, he says, to be a child, we, we strive for peace with everyone. Let that be what marks you. Strive for peace with everyone. I, I want to say a truth here. Truth, it does take two for ultimate forgiveness. No doubt about that. But if you look at forgiveness, forgiveness could be in the form of, and Dan, I, cannot, I will never thank you enough for pointing me to Prager University and this understanding of forgiveness. I just, I, I, I'm forever marked by you, brother, and this... Um, true forgiveness takes two, there's no doubt. But sometimes biblical forgiveness really just takes one. Because you can't determine what the other person does. Meaning you can reach forbearance and ultimately release. You can get to the point through the gospel that you don't let somebody else live rent-free in your head. And at minimum, believers go there, war for that, fight for that. That's what it means to be a child. And, and if you're like, sure, I'd love to hear more about that, but I'd love to show you a video. I'll show it to you after the service. Um, but let's keep going because, again, we've got to be super short today. Uh, so that what, may, uh, what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. You've got to make your, your, your straight paths for your feet, he says, verses uh, 13 and on. Uh, so in other words, he's saying, listen, as a child, what it means to be his is to remove obstacles that are before you. <laughs> Take out the Holy Spirit machete and slash the jungle of life and walk straight. If you've got a limp already, why would you keep trying to climb that rock over that with that limp hip? Get it out. Put that obstacle away. Be done with it. War for these things through this crazy jungle of life. The straighter you walk and with a better gait, the more healthy your joints are going to be. He says, that's what it means to be a child. And then I'll end with this. Where he began. Because Christ is excellent. Because he loves you enough to discipline you. Therefore, do all those things, but backwards. And if you do that, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. That's what it means to be a believer. Troy, what are you talking about? There's some things that linguistics does not matter. If you go to any foreign country that you have no idea the language they speak and you're sitting in a classroom and the teacher's talking in a language that you don't understand and you see a kid do this, 
what are they saying? Hey, I, I know what's going on. I, I got the answer. I, I know. Or, hey, me, me. It's this, this moment of confidence. It's, hey, I'm here. I, I need you. Or, I got the answer. Or, you know what? In any other culture you go into, if somebody's sitting there doing this with their knees, what is it showing you? They're scared. They're nervous. There's something going on. And here's what he says. Ultimately, if you're a child of the king, then you lift your drooping hand saying, listen, I know what the answer is. I, I don't know what the answer to life is and all the practical steps, but I know Christ is the ultimate answer. In other words, if you're a child of him, walk in confidence that he loves you and he's displayed his love for you. Raise your hand and boast in Christ. Lift your drooping hands and then strengthen your knocked knees. <laughs> walk with some com- walk with some walk with some strut. I don't know if that's strut or like I'm like I'm lame. <laughs> walk with some walk with some gusto in Christ. Walk with it. That's what it means to be. A, you're not a child of the president. You're not a child of the owner of all the oil wells in wherever the oil wells are. You're not a child of Arnold Schwarzenegger. You are a child of the Most High God. Fatherhood, raise your hand. Stick your chest out. Break the microphone that's already broken. Um, And walk with some oomph. You are greatly loved. And Hebrews 1 through 12 has screamed that for the past six months. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, here on this Father's Day, would we see that it's not only in our power to strut through life... (laughs) Boasting in Jesus, but it's also our responsibility. And so because of the confidence you've given us, we're not like Esau. We war against sexual immorality. We war against bitterness. We, we push so that everyone can see the grace that Christ offers. We war for holiness. We, we strive for peace. We, we, we remove obstacles so that we're not walking on bad joints And we lift our drooping hands and we strengthen our weak knees. So yeah, Jesus, that's what I pray happens today because of this text. That every believer in this room will walk head high, chest out, knowing that Christ is sufficient for everything we need. Not just for a good life, but for a great life. Both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.